Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is dawning upon you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Your fellow heirs and members of the body of Christ. There is a word used in our text today that the Apostle Paul uses 20 times in his letters. Of those, six are in the book of Ephesians, and four of those are in these verses. The word may very well have stood out when it was read earlier. Mystery. Now, the way that that word is commonly used in English today, it refers to something hard or even impossible to know and understand. But as Paul uses it, the idea is that what was once unknown or unknowable now is known or knowable because it has been revealed by God. Such mysteries might still be difficult to fully comprehend or or might even seem unreasonable like the mystery of the Trinity. But that doesn't mean that they cannot be known and known to be true. The theme of not knowing becoming knowing comes through strong here at the beginning of Ephesians 3. As I read the verses that are our text again, I encourage you to note all the times that the idea of knowing is mentioned. Surely you have heard of the administration of God's grace given to me for you, namely, that the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. When you read this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery was not made known to people in past generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that in Christ Jesus the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, people who also share in the promise through the gospel. I became a servant of this gospel in keeping with the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. To me, even though I am the very least of all the saints, was given this grace to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about the administration of this mystery. In past ages, this mystery remained hidden in God who created all things. He did this so that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in the heavenly places might now be made known to the rulers and authorities. This was done according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we can freely approach God with confidence through faith in him. So, what do you know? That question might be used in an interrogation of some sort, but sometimes it's also used as a kind of greeting one that's probably an improvement on the standard, hi, how are you? Because in this case, the speaker is actually looking for an answer. The officer on duty says to the man he's coming to relieve, hey, what do you know? One roommate greets the other who is groggily drinking coffee with the morning news on TV. So, what do you know? And if Paul were to greet the Ephesians, or us, with a similar what do you know? What answer would he expect? 
First would be that the message of God's grace in Christ for them and all the world was not something that Paul came up with himself or even something that someone else told him, but was revealed to him by God. So nothing about his teaching or Christianity is of human origin or design. Second would be that something important had recently changed. God's plan for all the world's salvation had not previously been fully revealed to his prophets, but now in this generation it had been. The mystery now made known what was not that the Lord desired to bring all nations to himself. Our a reading from Isaiah today makes clear that this intention was clearly stated to his Old Testament people. But it is that his plan was not just saving the Gentiles alongside or in addition to Israel, his favorites, but that Jew and Gentile would be equal in his family, equally loved, equally valued, equally blessed, and as such, united into one church, the body of Christ. There is one Christ, one promise, one gospel, and thus only one people of God. The book of Acts records a number of incidents that illustrate how much of an attitude adjustment and change in thinking this truth required of Christ's Jewish followers when it was revealed in vivid and unmistakable ways. The next new knowledge that Paul's readers should have had ready to tell him would have been more personal. First, that Paul had a special call from God to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about the administration of this mystery. And second, that as members now of Christ's church on earth, this same good news of God's grace in Christ for all people was also now their responsibility and privilege to make known to the rulers and authorities, and, of course, to ordinary people as well. In addition, all this making known to Jew and Gentile, to, to the weak and to the powerful, was according to the Lord's plan, set from all eternity to be carried out by Jesus and continued by those who trust and follow him. And finally, what they knew and we know was that Christ? what Christ accomplished completely changed their status before God. No longer would there be any need or reason for fear. No longer would the prospect of judgment fill them with dread. Instead, because with His sacrifice on the cross, Jesus had removed every obstacle and offense between the sinner and His holy Creator, Every believer had the joy and privilege of approaching God with confidence. Now, I suppose if Paul had been giving the Ephesians a test of some kind or, or examining them for confirmation, he would have been very pleased if asking them, what do you know, had elicited such a recitation of the very things he knew that they knew because he had taught them to him. 
But you and I also know that there is a big difference between knowing something as mere information and grabbing hold of something as good news that makes a difference. There is another way that our theme question is often used. It is an expression of surprise or wonder when something is discovered, something that makes a difference or at least an impact. Well, what do you know? Isn't looking for new information. It's a reaction to amazing knowledge that's already there, but freshly comprehended. And that kind of response really is what Paul was looking for from the members of the Ephesian congregation when he reminded them of all these things that they already knew. It's what the Holy Spirit was aiming for when when he caused these words to be inspired and written for us to read and learn from. It's easy enough to to read or, or even recite what's in these verses as mere information or as formal statements of doctrine. But what actually feeds our faith and motivates our ministry is the kind of understanding and reaction that hears and reads such things and says, hey, wow, that's, that's really true, isn't it? And it matters a lot for me and for people I love. It's not old news, mumbo-jumbo, or or theological noise. It's good news of great joy for me and for all the world. Think about it. How many other astronomers and students of the night sky saw the star that announced Christ's birth and merely said, oh, there's a new one. How many did what the Magi did and and searched out its meaning and then did something in response to its wonderful news? How many of the priests and experts in Jerusalem knew Micah's prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem? And how many took that knowledge once they'd heard the Magi's news and hurried to Bethlehem to see the boy? Probably none. Or Matthew would have mentioned it. Like Herod, they all had the information, but they were not moved to excitement or to worship, and certainly not to faith. How much better the response of the Magi, who who represented the, the first wave of what Isaiah wrote about in our first reading today, the first wave of the Gentile nations rejoicing to see the light of the world dawning in the glory of Christ, racing with joy to see Jesus, radiating His light back out to others, bringing gifts in gratitude, and proclaiming His praises. That, that is what we want for ourselves. So we say, wow, what do you know? when we consider that that everything we learn about Jesus and about Christianity from the Bible is divine in origin, inspired entirely by the Holy Spirit. 
The scriptures stand apart from, from every other writing, every other religion, every philosophy, opinion, or point of view, because those things have their origins in the minds of mere men and women. But everything about our faith is founded on the absolute and unchanging, unshakable authority of the Creator of the universe. And wow, what do you know? No matter how Christians may have behaved in the past, the truth is that there is no place for racism or ethnic favoritism or any kind of of tribalism, prejudice, or social division in the church of Jesus Christ. The unity that we have as the family of God is a spiritual reality that we rejoice to see as all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds and places come together in congregations like ours and from mission fields far and wide come together making the spiritual reality a physical, temporal, visible one. And this is and always has been God's plan. It is amazing, wonderful. And this grace, this grace of God, repeated over and over, rejoiced in time after time by Paul and others, following Jesus, it's not just following a bunch of rules. Being a Christian is not all about being obedient or doing the right amount of the right kind of works. Our faith is not defined by obligation, but by the undeserved favor and love of God for undeserving sinners, for you and for me. What do you know? God sent His one and only Son not just to bring light to the world, but to bring salvation from sin, to end the darkness for people just like me. Even though I am the very least of all the saints, even though I am the greatest of sinners, yes, even for me, with all my faults and failings, God sent His Son. God loved me, even me. And that Son, Jesus, came. And He willingly did everything for me, even to the point of suffering great abuse, incredible insults, and physical pain beyond our imagination, culminating in that awful death upon a cross. And He did it all for me. I didn't deserve any of it, but God had it all done for me anyway, and He planned it from eternity. This grace, wow, what do you know? And it really is that simple. There is not some complex formula of works and rites and gifts and acts that need to be followed or or emotions that need to be produced. No, it's so simple. Jesus did it all. There is nothing for me to do. I just believe. I trust in what God has done for me by grace in Jesus Christ. And every last one of my sins is forgiven. 
And heaven is my home. Eternal life is mine. And everything that needs to be fixed has been fixed for me. Wow. What do you know? And as familiar as, as many of these tru- truths might be to, to long-time believers, these, this familiarity does not breed contempt, but contemplation and joy. As many times as we read the same things in the Bible, they are always true. And there is always something new. The Spirit always has something to teach us. Every time we go through the catechism and its truths, every time we hear the same words and sing the same words and say the same words in the liturgy, these are the truths of God coming to us again. And the repetition doesn't make them old and boring. It just helps us go deeper and deeper into their meaning. Something always there, previously revealed, but comprehended freshly. Wow. What do you know? In Christ, I, even I, with all of my baggage, with all of my failings, even I can now freely approach God with prayer, with praise, with my gifts, with everything I am, with confidence that I will be received, that I will be welcomed home as a lost child, all through faith in Jesus, all through trusting what He has done for me. Wow! What do you know? We do not have a distant God or a disengaged Savior. The One who created all things has revealed to us by grace the mystery of our and all the world's salvation because He cared enough to send His Son as a substitute for sinners and to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. That is the kind of God we have, one who loves first and foremost and then does everything that needs to be done for us. So yeah, wow. What a great and wonderful God and what great and wonderful, amazing grace He has showered upon us. And what an awesome difference that knowledge, that understanding, that wow can make in our lives as members of God's family. Think of how it gives us a new eagerness in our witness, in being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have because that hope is going to show when we say wow every day to the enormity of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. What a difference it will make in our excitement in obeying what God has to say to us. Because it's not out of obligation or duty, but it's out of joy. It's out of love. It's out of gratitude. Gratitude for things that we appreciate more and more every day because we know them. What joy in service. Not just service to God, but but service to our neighbor, service in the church, service to our brothers and sisters, service to the members of our very own family, service to our neighbors. Joy. Because we appreciate that more how Jesus has served us with His love and His sacrifice. 
What a difference all of these things make to know. And the awe, the awe and the energy it brings even to our worship here when we come together to sing, to hear, to receive God's gifts again and again. What Paul talked about here in Ephesians 3 is important. That's clear. But it's not just information. It's not in just instruction in how to be a Christian. It is the Gospel. It is the good news for you and me and everyone. It matters. It is grace. It is light. It is life. And it is amazing. All the time. From your first breath as a child of God to your last. And so this wow attitude to every mystery God has revealed, to everything that you now know from His Word, to every truth of His grace in Christ Jesus. This is something to cultivate and to encourage in yourself and others throughout your life, no matter how long you've been a Christian, so that with sermons, with Bible reading, with daily devotions, with remembering your baptism, with hearing the words, I forgive you all your sins in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. With hearing, this is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you. With all of this that you then can say, well, what do you know? We have a great and wonderful God. He has done wonderful things for me. His grace has made all the difference for me and for how I live my life and how I speak to others. I know this. And I thank God that He has revealed it to me because there is no better news to hear today, tomorrow, or any day to come. And then say, Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. Now to Him who is able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.